Angie Muse, editor of the SJR, and welcome to This Week with Under the Dome, our podcast about all things wild and wacky going on at the state capitol today. With me is Doug Finke, our state house reporter, and Bernie Schoenberg is on vacation, hopefully under a shady tree with a tall, cool drink somewhere. So, Doug, how long have you been a reporter at the Capitol? I uh, came in at the last year of Jim Thompson. Um, if you want me to be more precise than that, I can't right now. So. so you have seen a lot in your time there. Right. Have you ever seen anything like the shakeup that is still continuing to happen in the Governor Rauner's office? No. And that's uh, it's an important distinction to make that every governor goes through staff changes, obviously, during their terms. You never see anything of this magnitude in this compressed a space. And also, you don't see people being brought in uh, wholesale who don't seem to have a whole lot of experience in actual government operations, which uh, the governor's new chief of staff came from the Illinois Policy Institute. Several other people came from them. Um, they build themselves as a uh, free market think tank which is all well and good, but they do not have the practical experience of trying to get bills drafted and bills passed in the General Assembly. So, Yeah, it's been a little bit of a rocky week. The governor's hit, gotten some criticism for you know, whether his office should have responded faster to the flooding up in northern Illinois. Exactly, and, and that's the sort of thing that comes with people who have experience because a basic job of the governor, any governor, is when a natural disaster happens. You show up on the scene, you do the photo ops with the local officials, you show concern, have uh, 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 put a face of concern as you walk around and look at the damage, and then you usually make an announcement about some kind of relief efforts or something of that nature. And the flooding that went on in northeastern Illinois uh, was going on for a couple of days and there were reports coming from local officials that it was unprecedented and uh, truly a, a something that was out of the ordinary and there wasn't anything from the governor's office which uh, indicates a lapse on somebody's part. Right and this was of course at the height of the uh, turnover with you know people being hired, people being fired, people other people quitting. Exactly, exactly and uh, you, you have to wonder if what finally goaded him to action was that uh, there was also uh, flooding in uh, southeastern Wisconsin, and uh, Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker showed up and did the usual tours and, and announcements in, in his state, and all of a sudden, Illinois media was comparing what was going on in Wisconsin with what wasn't going on in Illinois. and. Uh, lo and behold, the governor decided to show up. Yeah, and you know he's been up there a few times now since I think a couple different right, days. Right. So, and then with the staff shakeup, you know it's not just the governor's policy staff in the governing realm, but he's also got a new political chief for his reelection bid. Correct. Um, and the the that can't be underestimated either because the obviously the person who departed uh, guided. The, the whole operation um, uh, through his first election and uh, certainly knows the governor, knows what plays in the state, has practical experience at that. Now we're bringing in a whole new person, uh, uh, you know, just 18 months out from the election who's going to have to master all these things. And uh, uh, you, you have to wonder. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's going to be an interesting time. And meanwhile, the staff's coming in right into the middle of another big brewing fight, which is we talked about this last week, Senate Bill 1 for school funding, right. you know, which the Senate Dems have been holding on to, and the governor has said, send it to me so I can amendatory veto it. Right. And uh, the, the reason this is such an important issue is the way the budget was set up. Uh, they provided funding for uh, K-12 through education in the budget and, in fact, even boosted it by $350 million. But none of that money can be released until there's an agreement on a new distribution formula. And that's what's caught up in Senate Bill 1. That's a new distribution formula. Uh, the governor's complaint is that it is uh, does special favors for Chicago, gives them money that they would not be entitled to if it had gone through the, any school funding formula. And um, the Democrats, uh, frankly, had a, uh, uh, added that as kind of a last-minute provision before it was passed uh, out of the General Assembly. Uh, the governor um, weeks ago had said he was going to uh, veto it, and consequently the Senate has held on to the bill, has not sent it to him for his signature, so we're in a state of limbo right now. And whether the Senate actually does send him Senate Bill 1 is also up into the question, because uh, if he uh, uses his amendatory veto powers on it, uh, the legislature either has to override that or they have to vote to go along with it. If they do neither, the bill dies and we're right back where we are right now. Right. And we've had some school districts that have been saying that they aren't sure they can open or that if they do open that they're not sure how long their money will last if they don't get the infusion of state funding. Exactly. You're uh, definitely, I think, seeing superintendents and school groups starting to ramp up the pressure. Even today, as we are uh, taping this, uh, there have been a number of uh, news conferences in various parts of the state where school superintendents have uh, come out and said, sign this bill. Uh, it, it may not be the perfect solution, but it's a lot better than what we have in place now. At least get something on the books so we can get some money flowing and can be certain we can open this fall. Yeah. And you're exactly right. When there, uh, not, it's not like every school district will be unable to open. The, the ones who are in financial problems already probably would uh, not be able to open on time. Others may have enough cash reserves to keep going for a few weeks or a couple of months, but uh, I don't think there's any school district that thinks it can go through an entire year without getting some additional state money. Sure. A lot of them, like District 186 here in Springfield, have already had to tap into lines of credit exactly. because of the uh, hiccups with the two-year budget impasse that just wrapped up. Exactly. Uh, but, you know, the governor, your sense from he was out on Tuesday – or was it Monday? Monday. Everything blurs together sometimes, but um, made a couple pretty fiery public appearances on Monday that didn't suggest that he's open to being persuaded to sign it in it's, any way, shape, or form. He, you know, he laid low, uh, relatively low, starting, I don't know, a week or two before they finally got the budget resolved. And then with his staff shakeups, he's also been maintaining a low profile. And then he comes out on Monday on the school funding Other bill. Other than the quick trip up for the flooding. Right, right. But, I mean, uh, now he's come out swinging, and it's it's like the rounder of old. You know, Madigan is behind this. Cullerton is behind this. It's a, it's a, a conspiracy against the schools, the, the whole nine yards, and it's like the, the rounder of old. Right. 
And it doesn't bode well for too much negotiating or compromise when he's out calling the speaker a tyrant, uh, one would think. One wouldn't think, but at the same time, um, uh, we got managed to get a budget without him being actively involved in negotiations either. It, just, it came down basically to uh, rank-and-file lawmakers and uh, some input from some of the leaders to sit down and put something together and say, ultimately, this is it, Governor. And he vetoed it, but they overrode the veto, so we still got a resolution of things. Right. But but I think a lot of people out there think that it's going to be a harder harder thing to achieve a veto, an override if he vetoes Senate Bill 1 uh, I, than overriding the budget was. I think so. Uh, in the, the margin's not very big. The the margin isn't very big. The, the fact is that... Uh, whether it's the budget or this bill, they still need Republican votes in the House. The Senate could still do it strictly with Democratic votes, but uh, they need Republican votes in the House. Whether there are enough in the House to do that um, is, is certainly a wide open question. There's also some question about whether all the Democrats would even go along with it because it has been, I think, successfully framed by uh, the governor and some other Republicans that this is uh, bailing out the city of Chicago at the expense of downstate districts. That is one issue that has always played well in the state, you know, that Chicago is getting favored treatment and we're getting the short end of the stick. And I'm sure there will be pressure even on some downstate Democrats to maybe not support this plan. Mm -hmm. Do you have a sense at this point of when you know, what kind of time frame the Senate Democrats are looking at because, you know, the ball's kind of in their court whether they send it to the governor? Right. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't. Um, obviously, time is running out because schools are scheduled to start opening in, uh, in August. Uh, and, um, you know, the long... I, I'm sure there's probably uh, some idea to push this to the, the limit uh, just to, in the hopes of... Uh, boxing in Rauner, and, and likewise, I'm sure Rauner has the opinion that uh, he can push things to the limit and maybe get the Democrats to cave a little bit on this. Okay, so business as usual kind of at the state house. It's the budget fight all over again, just more in a compressed space. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of the uh, budget, you had a piece in the SJR this past Sunday looking at some of the loose ends coming out of the budget and things that are still kind of being tied up. Right. Um, even though they had a plan in the budget to uh, pay down some of the bill backlog, uh, it's it's not exactly certain how much they can do and even how quickly. A big part of that pay down is uh, to issue some bonds and use that money then to pay down the bill backlog. Uh, the overall package that was approved in the budget says it could pay down $8 billion of the roughly $15 billion backlog. Comptroller Susanna Mendoza said she thinks that's optimistic and maybe a more realistic figure is $5 billion out of that $15 billion backlog. Uh, the governor's office has to sign off on borrowing. So far, they have not done that. Uh, as I understand it, they have not closed the door to it, which is a good sign. But they also haven't uh, signed off to the sense that they can draft the documents and go out and, and sell bonds. Uh, there's also some uh, money from special funds that they want to use to pay, uh, pay down some of the bill backlog. Um, Mendoza is concerned that perhaps some of that money is, in fact, not going to be available because it involves federal 
uh, funds. Uh, they can't be used to pay general state expenses. It has to be used for a designated purpose. So uh, she said she wants to review all those funding uh, options to make sure that we're not violating any federal covenants, and that's going to take further time. Right. Um, and so. one perennial option from the past of rating the road fund is off the table. That's right. Thanks to the uh, constitutional amendment that was passed in 2016. That's exactly right. And if people remember back to uh, the spring of 2015 when they had a budget problem and they tapped into uh, funds to help balance the budget at that time, the biggest chunk of that money came by far from the various road funds. And uh, you're right, that's off limits now. So uh, I think the largest uh, fund that they're getting now is about 17 million, as opposed to when they did the road funds, that was a couple hundred million. So yeah, <laughs> the scales have that changed. That piggy bank has put, been put up on the uh, shelf. Pretty much, pretty much. Yeah, okay. Uh, one other tidbit floating around this week, I think you'll naturally with the everything going on around the governor, speculation starts swirling. Um, Sam McCann's name gets thrown out and as a possible primary challenger. What's your take? Um, you know, he's said that, uh, I think he's been pretty noncommittal about this speculation. He's, he's, his most recent comments were he's not going to uh, make any decision until the school funding issue is resolved because he doesn't want to distract from that. Uh, I don't know how you put words to the to the idea of how much of an uphill battle that would be for McCann. Uh, he currently doesn't have a whole lot of money in his uh, campaign account as opposed to the uh, umpteen millions that the governor has in his. I think um, the governor's at about 70 plus million. Uh, it's in that neighborhood, that. Yeah. Uh, right. And uh, so you've got that issue, you've got the fact that uh, Sam McCann is a state senator, and he's gotten some notoriety for crossing the governor, but that's not the same as translating to statewide name recognition and in a platform that you can use to actually challenge an incumbent governor. Yeah, and I think you know, his name's surfacing because he uh, beat back a challenger put up by right. the governor against him, um, Bryce Benton, you know, and one of, I think, was probably one of the more expensive state legislative races we've ever seen in this neighborhood. Certainly in the primary election, it was yeah. one of the more expensive ones. And that was because, uh, um, uh, almost specifically, because McCann crossed the governor on a bill to uh, uh, bring union, uh, bring arbitration to the union contract talks that are going on between the administration and AFSCME. Uh, the governor wanted, the, there was a bill to do that. Uh, McCann supported that. That made the governor angry, and next thing you know, McCann had a uh, an opponent. Yeah, and, that's and uh, a lot kind of, of negative ads. A lot of negative ads, and uh, I don't know how many of them showed up in the newspaper, unfortunately, but uh, <laughs> there were a ton of them out there. Here's our little pitch: we reach people who are cared about government. Um, and, and you know that's that same uh, fear, I think, or or concern, anyway. Uh, permeates people right now, is the same thing going to happen to those Republicans who supported the budget deal yeah. with the governor's objections? Of course, with the legislative race, it's a lot easier to fight a negative ad when you're dealing with people who know you, who have seen you right. in your district, who you know, you're a person as opposed to the grainy black and white figure in the TV ad. Right. And so. I think a lot of people gave McCann credit for pulling that uh, victory out that he did in his primary race because 
he really works his district hard. He, he appears all over. He's got a very large geographic district, and he appears all over the place. He attends all kinds of events. He built up a ton of goodwill there. Yeah. And so uh, a last-minute challenger who clearly was being put up by the governor and his supporters didn't play very well. Yeah, and statewide is a completely different game. Exactly. So, all right, Doug, well, any predictions for what we're going to see in the coming week, or has Springfield become a place where you can't predict anything? Uh, The only thing I will predict for sure is that uh, we're going to see something happen, Uh, I think some more movement on the schools issue. Um, Hopefully it'll start to coalesce so people can get some idea at least when the the legislature is going to take some action on it and, and get the ball rolling. Yeah, because we've got the state fair and all the political games at the state fair coming up. God forbid that would be disrupted by anything happening outside <laughs> of. <laughs> well, whatever does happen, we will continue to tell you all about it in the Under the Dome podcast. I'm SJR editor Angie Muse, and I've been speaking with Doug Pinky from the State House Bureau.